Welcome to Healthcare and Hire, a podcast for healthcare professionals and aspiring healthcare executives looking for information, association, and inspiration from higher-level leaders across the healthcare industry. I'm Iqbal Acha, career consultant, healthcare recruiter, and registered pharmacist. Every week, I sit down to interview healthcare executives, clinical leaders, medical entrepreneurs, and industry experts to learn how they got to where they are today, what they see as the future of healthcare, and what they're doing to make healthcare more accessible, affordable, and effective. Let's find out more about today's guest. Amy Burke is the Director of Population Health for U.S. Health and Life Sciences at Microsoft. She leads the design and implementation of clinical transformation-related programs for large and complex healthcare clients and providers. Amy joined Microsoft in 2021. Prior to this, she served as a Director of Care Management for Tufts Health Plan, Director for the United Health Group, Manager at Accenture, and healthcare consultant at IBM. Amy received her master's degree in nursing from Emory University and a bachelor's degree in nursing from the University of South Florida. With 10 years of direct patient care experience as a registered nurse in cardiology, she is a dedicated, results-oriented healthcare executive with a passion for bridging data, optimizing care delivery, and ushering clinical transformation. Hello, Amy. Welcome to the Healthcare and Hire podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. I have more questions than I normally do for other guests because of the nature of your work uh, and the organization that you're with. But I just want to appreciate the fact that you've taken time out of your busy travel schedule, work <laughs> schedule, uh, just to impart some amazing knowledge uh, and insights uh, in terms of how healthcare professionals can move into higher levels of leadership and executive uh, uh, governance. Um, there are some people I'm sure that are listening to this episode today that are very familiar with you, some that are familiar with me, some that may not be familiar with either of us. So why don't we take this opportunity and have you formally introduce yourself? Why don't you share us a little bit about who you are, what your role is, and how do you help take healthcare to a higher level? Well, thank you so much for that. Um, my name is Amy Burke, and I am a registered nurse, an advanced practice nurse. I finished my graduate degree at Emory University back in 2001. Um, I embarked on a career in consulting, management consulting, in which I was a consultant for 16 years. But might I say, before I was a consultant, I was a nurse clinically. I practiced uh, CVICU for almost 11 years. So I had a clinical journey, um, which transgressed into my management consulting experience. And I've actually 
have done large scale projects, participated in those projects all over the world. I've worked in nine countries throughout this, uh, throughout the uh, journey of my career um, in some really interesting projects um, at a country level, even um, electronic health record implementations um, in South Korea with the Ministry of Health, a population health project with the Supreme Council of Qatar. Um, you know, I was at uh, Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi where I did an epic implementation. So it's been fascinating. Um, I never would have dreamt in a zillion years when I started out as a nurse in the cave, as we used to say in the ICU, that I would do what I'm doing today. Um, but it's been quite the journey and I appreciate every bit of it. Um, the, the highs and the lows, uh, you know, the successes and the failures. Um, and as a consultant, it, it, it gave me the rigor, it gave me the preparation to step into a role as a director of population health at a health plan in New England. Um, and then I came to Microsoft. So at Microsoft now, I am the director of population health, and I also serve as an industry advisor in which I'm aligned to various healthcare accounts, both payer and provider, where I can lend my subject matter expertise and domain experience for the greater good of our customers um, in which we you know, uh, solicit our products. Um, but more importantly, I would like to say that it's not just about selling a product, it's about bringing the art of the possible to life in the healthcare environment. Um, and whether that be at a health plan or at a provider site, hence a healthcare provider, uh, independent delivery network, uh, or pardon me, an integrated delivery network or home care as we're seeing now, home healthcare is moving into the home, wherever it might be, the touchpoint healthcare, I try to consult my my customers, my teams, and whom I work with on what the drive of the business impact will be. And Amy, how large is your team? I have a peer group of about 20 of us, and we span across um, healthcare and life sciences and even medical supplies um, or medical equipment, pardon me. Uh, so, you know, we each have unique experiences and domain expertise um, that we bring to the teams in which we work with, and we try to cross-collaborate when it's appropriate. Um, but, you know, as I said before, I'm aligned to various teams to provide that insight, knowledge, expertise, experience, um, and, and really then be able to bring it to the conversation um, and bring it on to ensure that we're meeting the business goals um, and demands of our customers. So Amy, it's so remarkable when you speak because I find that the ability for you to leverage your clinical background and your EHR expertise, especially not just here in the United States, but having been at the forefront of trying to help other organizations, healthcare systems uh, move forward into the future in, in other countries, super remarkable. I think the other piece that really I want to touch on is, you know, many people are extremely familiar with Microsoft as an organization, right? Everybody, I think everybody has either grown up with Windows, you know, so many other amazing Microsoft products. Uh, but when it comes to health, I think there's still like a, like a veil that exists for many healthcare professionals and executives. Uh, and it's not something new. Microsoft has not just recently gotten into the healthcare space. It's over a decade old. Uh, in fact, some of the research that I was doing showed that I think in 1999, Microsoft first stepped into the healthcare space by acquiring uh, shares from WebMD just to get some uh, assets from a technological perspective. And since then, it's continued to acquire other organizations and other companies that have been built upon either AI um, or software to help uh, increase uh, interoperability and communication between healthcare providers and patients. 
Now, as we see the explosion of telehealth, uh, you know, the, the strategy becomes very clear for an individual like me, like, oh, I understand now, you know, what the future was going to be 10 years ago. And Microsoft has certainly taken advantage of not just the products and correlate them so that they work better, uh, but bringing in the right people that can use these products and leverage the, the assets to help patients have better access, uh, having healthcare providers have better data. Uh, and then certainly, I'm sure as an organization of its might and stature, Microsoft is also at the forefront of security and compliance. Um, and so, yeah, these are all the things that, you know, really excited me when you said yes, because I was like, <laughs> that's, you know, this is like cutting edge stuff. Um, and having you, you know, be as, as a director of population health working for Microsoft, uh, I'm sure there's many stories that you can share. I'm kind of curious to understand a little bit from your day-to-day -day responsibilities. You see so many other of your clients and customers that are, you know, implementing these tools and products. Uh, but, you know, there's always conversations that take place about, well, what is the next thing that we need to be aware of? So that way, when we use, um, you know, Microsoft Cloud for healthcare or Nuance, uh, you know, that it's reaching the right people. Is there a particular initiative uh, that maybe you're currently involved in or maybe a recent story of success that you can share in your role uh, that you've been helpful in helping either a client or Microsoft as a whole take their game uh, and bring it to the forefront to help patients and providers alike? Uh, at any given time, I'm involved in multiple initiatives. I could just tell you that, um, you know, bringing forward provocative point of view on various topics, um, I think is very important in my role. Um, and, you know, that comes from the top down and appreciate leadership and really um, being provocative, right, and being innovative, um, thinking what's next in healthcare, right, this is my job to do um, each and every single day. Um, and not just in the domain of population health, if you will, but on the broader scale of healthcare overall. I work with so many different customers that have so many different uh, requirements, if you will, or goals, shall I say, even at a, at a more uh, global level, more strategic goals. It, it's hard to pinpoint one specific thing, right, in which I work on, because every day is so different. And that's, that's what I love about my role this, you know, so much is that every single day is different. Um, new challenges are presented with every single customer in which I interface with, or new challenges are presented even with my peers and how we collaborate and, and, and really come up to solve problems, right, or to resolve issues, um, or better yet, to address the needs of our customers and to really take a stand on, again, what's next, what's innovative, um, and what's provocative. Because I think being that person that thinks outside the box is part of the DNA in Microsoft, right? Um, being able to really pull together insights that are forward thinking and thinking, you know, not just for here and now, but for tomorrow and the next day. I, it's necessary. I think that many times we as human beings in general, we just get comfortable with what we've either designed for ourselves or we're introduced to. But being at the being at the forefront of healthcare, it's not a luxury. Nobody has the ability to say, well, this is where I've gotten and this is where we're going to stay. 
Um, and we're going to be fine because patients are just going to accept this and providers are going to accept this. That is not the way the world works. And so I love the way that you've, you know, utilized and really, you know, harness the word provocative, because unless we are asking the hard questions that really lead to where patients' pain points are, uh, where providers are seeing, you know, success and how they can scale, uh, you know, those are where, you know, tools and, and products are, are going to be necess very necessary today. Uh, you know, Amy, I'm very curious as well to understand, you know, when you think about population health, you know, there's a lot of things that are taking place. I know many of my colleagues and peers work in this space. Uh, and for those that are maybe perhaps a little unfamiliar with population health, especially as a healthcare provider, maybe you can provide some context for the listeners. How does population health actually work? What is, you know, the, the scope of the, of the nature of the industry? And then how is it being leveraged today to be able to help Microsoft specifically, but also other healthcare tech companies uh, to be able to see problems where, where they're not as evident as we think? Population health is grounded in data and data is so important. It's the foundation of everything in which population health examines. Um, and I say examine because we're we're trying to gather insights from from our population at a population level and then at an individual level, right? Um, and being able then to look across cohorts in terms of disease states, in terms of cost and utilization and spend, um, these are all very important key performance indicators, metrics that health plans and providers are looking at both. And you know, really being able then to design targeted interventions and programs based on the outcomes in which they're seeing, right? Based on that data, that insights that we glare from the data. It serves as a framework, I would say, um, at, at a provider organization, at a health plan organization, in which, again, data is at the center and what insights can we learn from our data? Um, how is it that we can stratify our populations into segments that we can identify risk and be able then to act on that risk accordingly, appropriately. Um, being able then to evaluate those outcomes, as I said before, to then comprise targeted interventions and programs to address the gaps in care in which we're seeing. Uh, so, you know, that has been my understanding, my experience, my expertise around population health. And I think population health is extending itself to include, or shall I say in reverse, the whole notion of value-based care is now including population health, right? Um, when we think about value-based care, the trajectory of improved quality outcomes at a reduced cost, population health then becomes an enabler to help facilitate value-based care. I think about you know, how physicians, how providers are working towards achieving quality outcomes and what that means in terms of reimbursement schemas. Um, and the various programs that are out there for reimbursement of quality, hence MACRA, et cetera. Um, I think it's very important that, you know, again, it goes back to the data. What can we see in our data that is going to elevate care, that is going to prompt reimbursement, that is going to, you know, extend upon new and different programs to really then address healthcare, and might I even say not just healthcare, but health disparities, because health equity is so important now. And the notion of 
social determinants of health and where that fits into identifying vulnerable populations and um, being able then to uh, rectify those disparities amongst those populations, this is where I see population health. Being at the level that you are and the size and scope and the clients and the geographies and so many various aspects, you have had, I'm sure, many conversations with peers, colleagues, other industry experts as you not only help clients and organizations leverage the data to make sound decisions, you're also looking to be able to use the data now from a predictive capacity to be able to potentially thwart challenges and issues, especially as we talk about health care disparities and, and health equity. How do you see population health changing healthcare in the next five years? What is the world going to look like when people realize, hey, not only are we using population health today in this one space, if we apply it in larger spaces, here's what we anticipate. What are the goals that you hope that the industry you know, has decided that in 2027, uh, we will have eradicated X or we will have <laughs> solved for Y. Well, I think it again goes back to the data, being able to act on data, making data actionable. I still think that there's a gap in practice of providers and, and might I even say now nurses too, um, in the use of data in their everyday practice. I think we have to do a better job of teaching the use of data back in nursing school and medical school. Um, because this is the new frontier of healthcare, right? And how data is um, consumed and democratized and utilized. I think it's going to be very important for, you know, we start early in the schools as part of the curriculum. I think then, you know, data then becomes the tool, the uh, reference point as to how we can make informed decisions uh, I think then too about the next level, if you will, becomes, and this is actually happening now, but I think it's going to become even more prevalent is being more predictive with artificial intelligence, machine learning, right? So we can predict workflows, we can predict populations, we can predict outcomes, we can predict prospective payment reimbursement schemas, et cetera. And then I would say, because of the importance of social determinants of health as we've learned along the way in these last five to 10 years and how social determinants going to extend itself to the community. So we're not just looking at the exchange of information between health plans and providers to commence on various type of contracts for value-based care. I think those contracts will extend to community partners. Community partners have such uh, influential impact on outcomes, on health outcomes, right? Um, so those community partners perhaps being involved in accountable care organizations or accountable care collectives and taking on risk, that's provocative, but I think at some point in time, they might be responsible for risk just as our traditional providers are today. Amy, I'm really, you know, curious. You talked about how nursing schools and other healthcare professional schools can start early by teaching data during or as part of their curriculum. Uh, and that is one step. But you know, when we when I think about you know the purpose of this podcast, it is to always highlight healthcare professionals who have had patient-facing provider experiences and leverage that to move into a higher level executive and leadership role. 
So, you know, data is a key component of how to be able to assess situations. What are some other ways that nurses, pharmacists, doctors, they, what are other components of their professional journey or leadership journey that they need to acquire from a skill set, from a knowledge set, so that they can move into this? And then what are some components or factors that you think uh, healthcare professionals today need to have in order to take that uh, take that step. I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast, and they're always trying to glean that kind of information. And when they see guests like you that have taken that step, they always ask, "How'd you do it?" So I'm curious to know, like, what are what's your secret, or what are things that you would like to see happen for people that are listening to the episode today uh, and wondering, well, you know, I, am I only going to just ever be a patient facing provider? Am I always just going to be working with patients? How do I how do I find something new? We'll be right back after this short break. Well, first, let me say it is always okay to be working with patients. Um, as a clinician myself, I'm always a nurse first, and I always have my nurse hat on, whatever I do, in making decisions, even in in my executive role that I'm in today. Um, because my role is clinically relevant, even if I'm not at the bedside, right? Uh, but I do think, you know, there are some tricks of the trade, if you will, um, some learnings that I've learned along the way. Um, my career into consulting was a little bit, uh, shall I say, serendipity. I did not do a formal MBA. Um, I did my master's of science in nursing and I took healthcare, administrative cl- healthcare administration classes. But I did not have a formal business degree to embark in a career in consulting. Um, I think I had a mindset that I did want to do work beyond the bedside because I wanted to not necessarily just fix the patient, but fix healthcare. And I kept that in the back of my mind of how I can do that. And I just went for opportunities as they came to me, an internship, and then working at a small company, a boutique firm to gain experience and then transcended into a bigger consulting firm and, you know, more consulting right along the way. But along my journey, I will say that I have listened. I have self-taught. I have, in a way, I think over my diversified experiences have earned a MBA informally along the way. (laughs) I think I've also relished all of my experiences and cultivated it into a scope of practice that I feel confident in, in my role today, based on all my prior experiences, and try to bring that every day. Um, And expand my knowledge set into areas that I'm not so comfortable in, right? I do believe that you have to step outside your comfort zone, take some risks to elevate yourself beyond what you're comfortable with right? So as I said before, it's always okay to be a provider at the bedside. But if you want to do something different, then figure out in your mind what it is you want to do and step that way, step into it, right? Be proactive, be resourceful. I will just tell you that in my career path as a healthcare executive, consultant, et cetera, Proactivity is so important. You cannot be reactive. You have to be proactive. You have to be a go-getter. You have to take risks. And, you know, I said it at the very beginning, 
not every time it's going to be a success. There have been failures along the way, but I think it was Oprah who said, if you haven't failed, you haven't learned. And I think that's really important, right? Um, because there's learnings in everything that we do each and every day. I would just also say that, you know, do continue education. I, you know, I do that. I, I go to symposiums. I go to conferences. I read. I read journals. You know, I'm reading trade journals every day. Um, and now I even teach. I, I'm an adjunct lecturer as well at a university. So, you know, it's, it's just about deciding what you want to do, having, I won't even say a clear path to getting there because I was a little bit uncertain. I just kind of followed the yellow brick road and it took me to where I am today. But I will say that on every single step of my journey, I recognized and realized that this is a learning opportunity to better my professional development and to learn from my mistakes and to carry forward and move onward. And there's another quote that I like that I live by daily. And this one's by Winston Churchill. If you're going through hell, you keep going. Right. <laughs> and not that, not that my career has been hell. I don't mean it like that, but you just keep going. That's what I, my advice. <laughs> it's, it's very good advice, Amy. Very good advice. You know, I think one of the questions I always love to ask is, you know, along the way, along your journey, uh, you know, a lot of the the serendipity, serendipitous moments that you experience, I'm sure that there was at least one person that was probably instrumental in helping you bridge that gap or cross, you know, the river that you were unsure of being stuck on one side, how to get to the other. Um, and, you know, for me, it's very really important that we always take a moment to thank those people. Like I know I have a list, a laundry list of people uh, that opened doors for me, introduced me to people, gave me reassurances uh, and really shined a light on my own strengths and skills to help me do that. I'm curious to know if there was if there's anyone that you'd like to acknowledge on the show today for helping you become the success that you are. Well, thank you for that. Um... Professionally speaking, uh, one person always is in my mind is Dr. Paul Grundy. I had the privilege to work with Dr. Grundy, who was the grandfather of patient-centered medical home. And um, I worked with him on a, a project back when I was at IBM with him. Um, and that was wonderful. And just his dedication and his thought leadership um, really inspired me. I go back to my nursing school days. Um, you know, I had some wonderful professors um, and then I, I'd like to just, you know, my, my friends and my family, um, and most of all, I think it's just recognizing in myself that I have this potential to do what I want to do. And I keep moving forward with that. Right. So, um, or I challenge myself if, if, even if I'm not certain that I can do it, I'm going to try it, um, because you don't know until you try. So very true. I mean, looking at your career, it's uh, it's really remarkable, right? Like, as you said, you you started out, I mean, today you are the director of population and health at Microsoft. Prior to this, you were uh, the director of care management and population health at Tufts Health. Uh, and then you've also served in a variety of leadership roles at United Health Group, Accenture, and then IBM. So I'm sure at each one of those steps, you had to probably re reassess or look at your current situation, identify what you had already amassed, and then determine you know, what is the advantage of me saying yes to that next step? And sometimes those questions, you know, are very difficult for us to ask. And sometimes they're difficult to answer. 
Um, and so I'm also curious to know, like, you know, what was the reason, or I should say, you know, what were some factors that went into your decision-making process uh, when you accepted this current role, when you decided to, to leave your role as a director of care management and population health at Tufts to, to accept this at Microsoft? You know, again, different organization, you know, you're going from a, a health system to uh, a technology company. What were some of the factors that appealed to you? What were some of the concerns that you had that maybe you had to talk it through with family members and friends to see if they could give you shed some light? Well, I will just say I had no concerns, to be quite honest. Um, the role spoke to me. I saw the role and I thought, wow, this is this is a culmination of all of my prior experiences. And I just felt I could do this. Right. It was um, it to me, it's consulting. It's operations it's technical it's so it leverages all of the companies i had been with before and the work that i had done before into this perfect role um and that's the way that i see it and i i really do believe that because i'm bridging all my experiences from my past and putting it into my current role and using my strategy hat and my policy hat and my operations hat and my clinical hat Right, and I do this every single day. Um, every day is different, but um, I have all of that acumen behind me based on my prior experiences to bring forward in this experience. And Amy, let's talk a little bit about some of the some of your past experiences in terms of achievements and proud moments. When you think about all the things that you've done, you've mentioned that you were instrumental in helping uh, implement an EHR in, if I'm not mistaken, Qatar and Abu Dhabi. Like those are really rare experiences, which I think are like huge and feathers in, in most people's caps. Is there one in particular that sticks out to you as a, when you look back upon your career and you think, wow, I can't believe that I did that. And I don't think I'm going to be able to top it or if that, I mean, if there's not one necessarily, or if you feel that there's still more, what's next on your bucket list that you would love to see have happen in the next five years where you can say that that's my next professional goal? My work with the United States Office of the National Coordinator, the policy work, that was phenomenal to me. It was during a time that was so instrumental in healthcare, hence um, back in 2008 through 2010. It was in the midst of the Affordable Care Act. It was all about the Affordable Care Act. We were drafting meaningful use. It just, I was living in Washington, D.C. It was just, wow. It was amazing work. Um, interesting, impactful, important, significant, call it what you'd like, but that work to me was very memorable. Um, I'd also like to highlight my work when I very first, I mean, when I first started consulting at IBM, my first project was with the US military and that was a proud moment. That was phenomenal. Just being able to work with the US military on a daily basis um, in various installations all over the world. Well, in Germany, I was in Germany. Um, I'm saying for the whole project, the project was banned all over the world, but my, 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 place it was in Germany. Uh, and then working with the Office of U.S. Military Health Affairs on a quality project, like those were all just such meaningful moments. Um, but all of my 
projects uh, to me have been interesting in some way, shape or form, whether they be domestic or international, um, because they're all very different. I learned something different from each one of them. Um, some were better than others, but you know, I, um, I really did appreciate my work at the Office of National Coordinator. That was really, really interesting. Yeah. It sounds like an exciting opportunity. I'm glad that I'm glad that you had that. Thank you. And you asked me about um, what's next. I think about that. I, I love the global work having done it before. Um, but, you know, in the public domain, perhaps, or um, with the government, I, I think that would be very interesting at some point down the road. And Amy, you had mentioned earlier, actually, two quotes. I'm a huge Monday Motivation fan. Uh, I always try to find a quote and share a quote because it's uplifting. But I also recognize that, you know, from a leadership journey, uh, sometimes there are multiple resources that different people use uh, that not only do they use for themselves, but they recommend to their peers, their teams, their colleagues. Is there a particular book or video speaker or author uh, that you gravitate towards generally re or regularly and that you recommend to others to help them either with their leadership development or their personal growth? Well, as of late, um, I've read Brene Brown. I think she's very um, inspiring. Uh, she's definitely gained a lot of popularity in these last couple of years. Um, but I read a lot. <laughs> I have to admit, I read a lot. I read nonfiction, fiction, uh, trade journals, health journal. I read a lot. So I, I don't know that I can pinpoint just one book, to be quite honest. Um, What's on your nightstand now? Uh, right now, I am reading, um, it's a fiction book, actually, Pachinko. But my next book is about Putin. So um, I'm about Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Very interesting. You'll yeah. have to come so back like and to, tell us what you learned. I like to read about current events. I like to stay on top of the news. And um, I maybe living in Washington, D.C. for 10 years, I became a policy wonk and a bit of a news junkie. Uh, but um, but I also read health affairs routinely. I, I read all the trade journals online. I'm, I'm always looking at what's going on, um, the journal Population Health, I look at nursing websites. I mean, I just, I read a lot. <laughs> you're, so, you're a consumer of knowledge. Phenomenal. Yes, try to be, try to be. But I, I also, you know, don't get um, too caught up in the noise, right? Because there's a lot of noise out there in every domain. So I just try to prioritize and um, think about what's important in my role and, you know, what's what is it that I need to know versus what I want to know all the time. Amy, I'm curious, when you think about you know, being part of, a, of an interview panel or an opportunity to bring along other colleagues and peers to potentially join your organization, what are the three qualities or characteristics that you look for when you are trying to help that person either get hired or promoted? It's a question I ask my leaders because it's always curious for the listener in terms of you know, what skill sets they need to bring, or if it's not a skill strength, how do they demonstrate their strengths that, are, that can resonate with a person that has the hiring manager authority? I think we have to be a self-starter, um, you know, being resourceful and being able to navigate through complex situations. Uh, as I said before, I think that's really important. Um, be curious and inquisitive. That would be one. Um, 
obviously I want that person to have domain experience and expertise in their right, being knowledgeable in their domain. I think that's important. Number two, I, I think being flexible is very important, especially in very large organizations and being adaptable to change is extremely important um, and being able to step outside your comfort zone. Uh, so those would be the three qualities that I would look for. And, and that's really good to hear, but I'm sure it's painful for some healthcare professionals. I mean, you can imagine, right, being indoctrinated in a scientific curriculum that it's if this if it's if these are the symptoms, then this is the diagnosis, uh, and having to kind of break away from the rigidity in order to adapt. I think that's also very remarkable to hear. And we've heard it from other guests as well, but it's always great to hear it from, you know, future and, and you as well, because I think it's it reinforces how, ne how necessary that adaptability component needs to be. Amy, you've dropped some great advice. You've been very, very helpful in terms of enlightening us with your journey. If there's one final piece of advice you'd share to listeners today that are looking to advance their career, whether they're a brand new practitioner or a 20-year veteran in their own healthcare discipline, what would that advice be? Follow your gut. Follow your instinct. I think that's really important. Um, you know, in making decisions on your career path, just be honest within yourself and, you know, reach for the stars. I, I, I think that's really important um, because you're only going to learn and grow if you do step outside your comfort zone. I, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a provider in hospital for 35 years or 40 years, if that's what your passion is and that's what you want to do, but have the wherewithal to recognize in yourself what your passion is and go for it. Right. Um, and, and don't get stuck, <laughs> just continue to grow. I think that's really important as well. Um, whether that be through education, whether that be through taking on new challenges in the workplace or whether that be, you know, in, just trying new things overall, don't get stuck. I think that's, yeah, don't be complacent. Excellent words of wisdom. Thank you, Amy, for being a guest on the Healthcare and Hire podcast. I'm so excited and so thrilled that you were able to join us and share with us your journey, uh, your insights, and your experiences. I am very much, again, very excited that you were on the show, and I'm actually wishing you the best in your future, and I really look forward to seeing you continue to take healthcare to a higher level. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's really been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Healthcare and Hire podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow and subscribe for more. I'm your host, Iqbal Acha, and I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me know what you thought about this episode or my show in general. Also, visit me at www.achainternational.com to learn more about how I help healthcare professionals and healthcare leaders advance their career, build a better brand, and create a leadership legacy. I'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, let's keep working to take healthcare to a higher level.